Hey everyone, you're listening to Yap Snacks, a series of bite-sized content hosted by me, Hala Taha. Today we're featuring the best of content from the handful of interviews that I've had with the one and only Chris Voss. We've recorded so much great Chris Voss wisdom that we split this episode into part one and part two, and you're listening to part one right now. Chris is a former FBI hostage negotiator and the CEO of the Black Swan Group, where he uses his extensive career in international crisis mitigation and high-stakes negotiation situations to teach people how to better negotiate and refine their communication styles. Chris has appeared on Yap many times, and today we're going to recap his best tips and tricks to help rock your negotiations and gain more influence. Now, Chris's expertise in human behavior comes from hostage situations and communicating with terrorists, but trust that his tactics can be used by everyone in everyday situations. Negotiations don't just take place in a conference room. A negotiation is simply a discussion where both parties come to an agreement. So we're actually negotiating all the time. Something as small as talking to family about who's bringing what to Christmas dinner is considered a negotiation. And negotiations are not entirely verbal. Whether we realize it or not, we're influencing everyday negotiations with how we present ourselves. And so by paying more attention to our body language, our word choices, and the way we frame information, we can intentionally evoke more information from others, which can then help us establish trust and build stronger relationships. Let's kick off part one of this series by asking Chris about the negotiations we make in everyday life. The most dangerous negotiation is one you don't know you're in. <laughs> and you're negotiating all the time. And the good thing about that is, you know, you practice in small stakes stuff, the everyday conversations, so you can do well in the formal conversations. And I'll give you a, a great example I came across recently, which we love to ask people when they say, I don't have a chance to practice negotiations. I say, well, are you in a negotiation when you're at Starbucks? Well, there's a guy that wrote, uh, started a website called Post Secrets. And he said, send me your secrets anonymously. Send them to me on a postcard or something like a postcard, but send them to me anonymously. So he gets an anonymous, brand new, still in the wrapper, Starbucks coffee cup as proof that it was from somebody at Starbucks. And the note said, I give decaf to people who are mean to me. So you're in a negotiation when you're at Starbucks. They might not be carrying you what you ordered. If you're a grumpy person and you think you're developing a tolerance for caffeine, eh, maybe you're not developing a tolerance for caffeine. Maybe they're giving you decaf to get back at you. So practice your everyday interactions. Tied into that is the saying, never be mean to somebody who could hurt you by doing nothing. Well, if you practice being nice on a regular basis, you find that you get a lot more stuff. The hotel I'm in right now, I was just really nice when I checked in. When my assistant was calling for my reservation, she couldn't get a late checkout. When I checked in, I was just super nice, and they were happy to give me a late checkout. You know, those are the practice negotiations. And you get a lot more by being nice. You know, everybody likes to be table pounding and name calling and demanding and it's really satisfying to quote win a negotiation and make the other side lose but actually long term that's bad that's not good mm -hmm. you don't do great long term so if you practice being nice you negotiate all the time you get a lot of cool stuff
It's important to approach every conversation with the same level of respect and poise that you would bring to a salary negotiation. Like Chris said, kindness will get you super far. Practice it everywhere, both in and out of the workplace. Now let's dive into how we can leverage our tone of voice to get what we want in any negotiation. Each one of the caveman types that I talked about before, the fight, flight, make friends, they get a natural tone. Now, I've kind of learned the tone I'm using now, which is a little bit of the analyst voice, which is a little bit of the late night FM DJ voice. <laughs> and it's a calming and soothing voice. It actually reaches in and it hits your mirror neurons. I said before, a lot of this is based on neuroscience, not psychology, but neuroscience. And so the neuroscience is if I hit your mirror neurons with a soothing voice, it actually triggers a chemical change in your brain and it soothes you, it calms you down. It's a natural voice of the hostage negotiator. And that's why one of the crazy differences between business negotiations and hostage negotiations are that hostage negotiations tend to be calmer. How is that possible that a terrorist is criminal, a kidnapper is calmer than a businessman? Well, the hostage negotiator used a late night FM DJ voice on him from the start, calmed him down. It was an involuntary response. And if I can calm a terrorist down with that voice, I can probably calm pretty much anybody down. That's the first voice. Now, the assertive voice, which is my natural tone that I had to learn to practice, and you can learn your way out of anything. You know, it's a direct and honest voice. I'm just telling you what I need. I'm just being honest. I'm just being direct and honest with you. Well, when I fall into that direct and honest voice, and if you're a human being that thinks of yourself as simply as direct and honest, you know, I once had a colleague tell me that they said, Chris, dealing with you is like getting hit in the face with a brick. <laughs> That's probably not going to help me. You don't get what you want on a long-term basis by hitting people in the face with a brick. And the assertive voice is the only voice that is really counterproductive all the time. I reach in, I hit your mirror neurons with assertion. You feel attacked. You react angrily. It triggers the negative emotion of anger. And it's not emotions that are bad. It's negative emotions that are bad. So I trigger your anger emotion. And there's an old saying, give a speech when you're angry and it'll be the best speech you ever regret. <laughs> you're going <laughs> to... You're going to say things that in the moment you feel very self-righteous about. And when you look back on them, they're just not going to help. So the assertive is a type that you really got to be careful on how you come off to people. Now, the last type, which everybody likes, is the accommodator's voice. And you just feel the warmth in their voice. And when someone smiles, you can feel it. They don't even have to be on the phone with you. You can feel the smile. And their tone of voice. And that's what I'm doing now. And that hits the mirror neurons. And you feel good because chemicals are actually being released in your system that make you feel good. The dopamine, the serotonin, the stuff that gives you mental endurance, the stuff that makes you smarter. You're 31% smarter in a positive frame of mind. If I can trigger you into a positive frame of mind, we're both smarter. We're probably going to make a better deal. Mm. So that positive voice, you know, the charming person, the likable person, you make more deals with people that you like. It's a powerful mercenaries tool. If you just want to get your way, you want to do it. If you love people, you want to do it because it's really good for relationships simultaneously. So smiling at people is a powerful way to negotiate. 
Young and profiters, they may call me the podcast princess, but I'm also the LinkedIn queen. I've been a LinkedIn influencer for six years now, and I teach one of the most popular courses about LinkedIn. And I love to teach sales on LinkedIn because when it comes to B2B sales, LinkedIn has got that on lock. LinkedIn is where all the decision makers are hanging out. There are 180 million senior level decision makers on LinkedIn and 10 million C-suite decision makers. These people are on LinkedIn and they're in the mode to buy. They're using LinkedIn for their buying journey to research vendors or sales reps that they might work with, to look up how to solve their problems, to learn from industry thought leaders. They are in the mode to buy, whereas on other platforms, they're in the mode to be entertained. You wanna get them in the right mindset. You wanna cut through the noise with LinkedIn ads. In fact, 79% of B2B marketers rate LinkedIn as their top channel for paid media. And LinkedIn has the best targeting because they've got all these different inputs. People are putting their resume basically up on there. And so there's so many keywords that they can use to target the right decision makers so they can hear about how you solve their problems. And I've got a special gift for all you young and profiters who wanna try LinkedIn ads. You can get a $100 credit. LinkedIn was super generous. If you wanna make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a $100 credit on your next campaign, go to linkedin.com slash yap, Y-A-P. Again, if you want to claim your credit, go to linkedin.com slash yap. Terms and conditions apply. Learn when to use the three different tones of voices because each one has its time and its place. Just be careful with the assertive tone of voice because some people can feel attacked or targeted when approached by someone with an assertive voice. Another important aspect of negotiation is mirroring. This is a very popular concept. Let's hear what Chris has to say about mirroring another person with our words and how we can actually use that technique in practice. So if you want to be a black swan, if you want to learn the black swan method, one of the really cool techniques that we brought from hostage negotiation was something we call mirroring. Now, black swan's mirror is, it's not that body language thing, you know, where if you put your right hand to your chin, I put my right hand to my chin. It's not, that's not the black swan mirror. Black swan mirror is repeating the last one to three-ish words of what somebody's just said. And when you get that skill down, then yeah, you can move it around and pick out a specific one to three words that you want to have them expand on. And it's really easy. It's so mechanistic, if you will. Some people don't like it because it seems too simple. It's a great skill for when you're caught off guard. Like if somebody just, what they've just said just kind of blows your mind. And the first time I really got a, a big difference in a mirror was negotiating a bank robbery with hostages in Brooklyn. Guys on the other side of the table, principal bank robber. I didn't realize that at the time was exhibiting all the characteristics of like a great CEO negotiator. He was so controlled that when he first got on the phone with the PD's negotiator that was first up, I was second up. He literally told the PD negotiator that he was calmer than the, than the police department negotiator was. So how did mirroring help me with this guy? We get his name, which he's not given to us because he realizes it's hard to establish rapport with someone who doesn't give their name. We figure out who he is. We find out his van is outside. We get a voice ID on him from a neighbor. They put me on the phone and they want me to brace this guy 
that we know who he is as quickly as I can. And I'm going to do it kind of gently. So I start, I say, Hey, look, you know, we got, we got a van out here. We've, uh, we've found the owners of every one of them except one van. And he said, well, we only have one van. I go, you only have one van. He goes, no, we have more than one vehicle. And I mirrored again. I said, you got more than one vehicle. And he said, you chased my driver away. I mirrored again. I chased your driver away. Now understand I'm confused by everything he's saying to me at the moment. And each time I mirrored him, he loses a little more control. And then finally, when he says, we chase your driver away, his getaway driver had gotten away. We had no idea there was a third accomplice there. And that spontaneous admission led to the conviction of the driver. What's the point? This mirror tool that you can use when you're completely off guard is likely to keep the other side talking. And if a controlled bank robber, control freak negotiator is going to make spontaneous admissions, it'll work in all negotiations. And then the cool thing that I love about mirrors is maybe because it's so simple, we find you know the people that we coach, the high IQ and high EQ people love mirrors, love them. And maybe it's because they're so simple as to why they love those. Now, I'm, I'm neither high IQ nor high EQ. So it, to me, it's one more tool. But the really people that really like concise, simple ways to steer conversations love mirrors. We'll be right back after a quick break from our sponsors. Mirroring people's words can show that you're engaged and encourages the other party to continue revealing information because they appeal to the other party's emotional compass. Information in a negotiation is your ammo that helps you win the battle. Negotiations are often incorrectly viewed as a very logical process, but in reality, negotiation plays on people's emotions. It's been proven that humans make decisions based on what we're feeling, not necessarily what we're thinking. Let's hear what else Chris has to say about the role of emotions and negotiations through a process called labeling. So you start out, you probably just label kind of what you feel, kind of what you're hearing right off the top of a conversation. You get real good at that with just practice. You get into a Lyft driver and a Lyft driver says, how are you today? And, and you can say, ah, oh, it sounds like it's been a tough day. Or you pick up on their affect and they seem happy and you go, hey, you seem happy. You get your practice in by just labeling what's on the surface. And that's how you get started. Mm-hmm. Now, emotions are kind of crazy in that if we label a positive, you sound happy, that increases a positive. If they're frustrated and you say you sound frustrated, the interesting thing is the labeling of a negative decreases it. It has the opposite effect. So you get some practice in it and you get used to hitting those emotions, which now you're clearing the way they feel understood. They want to cooperate with you. They're more collaborative because mm-hmm. they instantly feel more understood. So it's a little bit of the karate kid wax on, wax off thing. You just start labeling people. And just label whatever you hear. After a while, your ability to distinguish and understand what you're doing is really going to catch up to you fast. And that's how you get into people very, very quickly. Awesome. If I remember correctly, you also have to shut up and listen after you label. (laughs) Is that correct? (laughs) Yeah, because a good label, you got to let that baby sink in. You got to let it hit all the different 
parts of the amygdala. And a lot of people have real trouble with this because before, you know, I talked about the accommodator type, you know, the make friends type. Their gut instinct for being silent is I'm signaling to you that I'm upset with you. And after a label, they're horrified that that's the signal they're sending off. And they have a heck of a hard time shutting up. But this is a critical time to really go silent and let your label sink in really well. My son is my chief operations. He likes to say, when you go silent, start counting thousands to yourself. You'll never get to three. <laughs> and why is not saying the word I and being indirect by using phrasing like it seems like or it sounds like important to remember when using labeling? Yeah, a lot of people learn labeling by saying like, well, what I'm hearing is, and the problem with the word I is it's a self-centering word. And particularly when you're observing the other person's reactions and you're trying to make them feel attended to, you're trying to make them feel heard. When you use the word I, you don't make them feel heard. You make them feel like you're interested in your own reaction more than your observation of them. And so I interrupts in a, the pattern there that works against you. And that's why you got to be really careful with the word I. Young and profiters, Yap Media is growing so fast. I have 10 open roles just this month. In the past, it would take me so long to find hires. I have to go on all these different job sites. I have to create my own skills assessments. That's why I let Indeed do a lot of this heavy lifting for me. Indeed is the powerful hiring platform where I can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Indeed has things like skills assessments, where when we have specific roles, we can find an assessment that matches that role and we can make sure they have the skills that we need. Then I can focus on culture fit. I can make sure they're scrappy enough and are obsessed with excellence and do all the things that we need to do for them to fit in at YAP. And Indeed streamlines hiring with powerful tools like Instant Match. An Instant Match basically matches you with candidates as soon as you put up a job post with people who are qualified right away. It's instant. And the best part is it gets better as you use it. So now when I use Indeed, especially when I'm hiring for similar roles, I get people right away where they know that I'm going to like the candidates because they can see what my preferences were in the past. It gets better as you use it. According to US Indeed data, the moment Indeed sponsors a job, over 80% of employers get candidates whose resumes are a perfect match for the position. It's like waving a magic wand that gets better as you use it. So I love using Indeed. We've found a lot of our A players on there. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide who count on Indeed to hire their next superstar like we do at Yap Media. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash profiting. Offer is good for a limited time. Claim your $75 sponsored job credit at indeed.com slash profiting. Again, that's indeed.com slash profiting and support the show by saying you heard about it on Young and Profiting Podcast. Again, it's indeed.com slash profiting to get your $75 credit. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Young and profiters, I'm about to be jet-setting all over the world. I'm going to London, Cancun, New Orleans, and New York to speak. I'm going to be up there with the bright lights, and I want to be spiffy. I want to look fresh. And so I'm going on a big shopping spree. I got to get clothes. I got to get hair stuff, skincare stuff, makeup. But I'm not going to feel guilty about this shopping spree because Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Rakuten is the shopping platform for savvy savers. 
From May 6th to May 13th, they're having their biggest cashback event of the year. I'm talking about 15% cashback at hundreds of stores with additional cashback bonuses. And they've got so many stores participating in their big give week. So when it comes to clothes, I'm looking at Splendid and Good American. And when it comes to beauty, they've got so many good stores participating. They've got Ulta, Fenty, Bobby Brown, Blue Mercury, and all the products that we love. Now we can get cash back. It's like getting a discount on the stuff you're going to buy anyway. It's absolutely amazing. They even have travel brands. So that's going to be super convenient for me with all my upcoming trips. Expedia, Hotels.com. You can get deals on everything from electronics to home goods to travel and beauty. Young and profiters, you're going to want to grab this limited time deal with both hands. You get high cashback rates for only eight days. So hurry. Membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cashback boost. That's an extra 10% cashback on top of the 15% cashback. You won't see higher cashback rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app at R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. People love to know that someone is paying attention to them. That's why labeling what's on the surface is so impactful. It shows that you care and that you noticed. But there's no point in labeling if you don't back off and let the other person prove you right or wrong. You've got to stay silent. Just listen and let them reveal the validity of your label to you. One tip that Chris taught me to strengthen our labels is to say, I'm sorry before you label someone. I remember in your book, you also mentioned saying that I'm sorry before Amir can be really impactful, especially when dealing with strong A-type personalities like yourself. Can you explain that hack to our listeners too? A lot of people say it's a bad thing to say. Those aren't bad words. It's where you drop them that's really important. Again, I talked about catching people off guard in ways that triggers them, that makes them more curious. You could do something wrong or do something potentially offensive and say, I'm sorry. That's the bad sequence. But if you say, I'm sorry, before you do something they might respond to negatively, or I'm sorry just before your assertion, which mirrors a little bit of an assertion. It's a prompt. It's provoking them to go on in a good way. If you say, I'm sorry, out of the blue, you actually get people's attention right away because they go like, what are you sorry about? Which means in that moment, they're really glued into what you have to say and their guard is down. Because to say I'm sorry beforehand makes people feel powerful. They're like, oh, you know, I got all this power here. You know, this person is all worried about me. It's an emotional intelligence application of deference. And deference is very powerful because it helps you catch people off guard. So to say I'm sorry up front is to warn people a little bit, to intrigue them a little bit, to get their attention and make them curious. And then when you drop something on them, like a mirror or an assertion or label, it's going to have a much deeper emotional impact exactly the way that you want. So I'm sorry is a great phrase if you just put it in the right place. Be careful when using the words I'm sorry in conversations because you don't want to seem overly apologetic. At the same time, saying you're sorry can add a great deal of intrigue and provoke interest in whatever you're about to talk about next. There's some other words that carry heavy meaning in negotiations, one of them being fair or the concept of fairness. Let's find out exactly what this F word means in a negotiation and how to approach that word when it comes up. There's almost never a negotiation where the F-bomb, fair, doesn't come up. Because when people feel backed into a corner, it can be a very defensive, innocent, if you will, thing to say. 
because they're not sure they feel they're on the losing end and they'll say just i just want what's fair i just want to be treated fairly and it'll cause the other side to rethink themselves am i being unfair i mean it's an accusation in disguise and a lot of people say it innocently because they don't know where to go. They're actually expressing a tremendous amount of vulnerability in that moment because if they could articulate specifically why they were being treated unfairly, if there were any external criteria, they'd point to them. And the first time I ever heard this, of a person, a negotiation instructor, that's one of the best human beings that I've ever met. They're in the middle of selling their house and uh, marking, uh, the housing market had dropped substantially. And this person said, well, we just want a fair offer. And the buyer raised their offer. Now, it's not the buyer's fault the market dropped. That was a market price for the house. And the seller felt victimized by the circumstances, and they tossed this out. And I remember thinking, wow, you know, she didn't mean to be manipulative. But it was an emotional cheap shot, for lack of a better term, thrown out there very innocently. Now, flip side, you know, I just want what's fair. I've given you a fair offer. That's so effective for the sharks and the cutthroats that they know if they're having trouble getting you to accept the offer, if they just say, we've given you a fair offer, it's going to cause you to question whether or not you're being fair or unfair. And so it comes up in a lot of other venues because it's such an effectively emotional manipulation tool. So if the word comes up, what does this mean for you as a takeaway? First of all, how does the Black Swan Group teach people to do it? I'll start out by saying, if at any point in time you feel treated unfairly, let me know and we'll stop and we'll fix it. That's how the only way we deploy the word when we're coaching you. What do we want you to know if you hear it on the other side? Understand if somebody says they think they're being treated unfairly, whether they're a shark or whether they're just a decent person, at that point in time, they feel pretty defenseless. Now, you've got some great information that you need to be really careful with because when they feel defenseless is not the time to go in for the kill. When they feel defenseless is a particular time to show even more empathy and more understanding so that they feel comfortable with you being behind their defenses because they know that you're not going to hurt them. But in all cases, if somebody drops the F-bomb on you, they feel defenseless. And just be careful with that information. Hold tight, everyone. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. When the word fair is used in a negotiation, it causes the other person to question their own levels of fairness. And this use of the word fair indicates vulnerability because it's an indicator of where someone's values lie. If you're in a salary negotiation with an employee and they tell you that they want fair compensation, that indicates that they don't believe that you're paying them what they deserve. But rather than jump to defense and counter their claim, you should approach the situation with more empathy and understanding. Because like we said at the beginning of this episode, just being nice can help you in almost every situation. 
We've been talking a lot about verbal cues in this episode, like saying I'm sorry or mirroring or labeling people's emotions and also tone of voice. But now let's talk about how to read someone's energy and why, contrary to popular belief, it's not helpful to match people's energy. So if you, if you stop and think and perceive and sort of add it up, if they've got energy, uh, the energy is really going to be a dead giveaway as to what they have in mind. You know, uh, are they distracted? Are they focused on you? Is, is there a good vibe? If they're distracted, they're not looking to make a deal or something's in the way. There are other pressures. They're probably not going to make the deal. You know, they can, if they have an aggressive energy towards you, which a lot of people might misinterpret as being bad. The good news is they're looking to make a deal. So um, aggression is a good thing uh, from a counterpart in that it signals their intent to deal with you. So yeah, the energy is a really good thing. Now, the flip side of that is, I don't believe in matching people's energy because that makes you the second mover. And when I was teaching negotiation, to illustrate this point, you know, I used to, we used to play tic-tac-toe. And I'd say, what's wrong with tic-tac-toe? Do you want to be first? Do you want to be second? If you go first and you know what you're doing, you can't lose. You can only win or tie. If you go second, and that's what's wrong with being a second mover, the best you could do is tie. That's why you want to go first in tic-tac-toe, because you want to win. And interestingly enough, chess is the same way. That's why there's an advantage to be white, because white moves first. So what does this have to do with energy? Your energy should always probably be positive. You've got a good natural positive energy. You know, there's some, there's some mechanisms. There's a new book out that I'm reading. Or it's not that new. It's new to me, Anti-Fragile by uh, Nassim Nicholas Taleb, who also wrote The Black Swan, which is the idea that inspired the name of my company, but Talib talks about being anti-fragile, which means you don't just survive from negative events. You grow. It makes you smarter. And he says curiosity is an anti-fragile mindset. It's an energy. It's a demeanor. It's a way of being. Like if you're curious, you're going to have positive energy. If you're genuinely curious, you're going to bring out the best in both the other side and yourself. So that's why I say don't match their energy. You know, be positive, be genuinely curious. Young and profiters, we are all making money. But is your money hustling for you? Meaning, are you investing? Putting your savings in the bank is just doing you a total disservice. You got to beat inflation. I've been investing heavily for years. I've got an E-Trade account. I've got a Robinhood account. And it used to be such a pain to manage all of my accounts. I'd hop from platform to platform. I'd always forget my Fidelity password and then I have to reset my password. I knew that needed to change because I need to keep track of all my stuff. Everything got better once I started using Yahoo Finance, the sponsor of today's episode. You can securely link up all of your investment accounts in Yahoo Finance for one unified view of your wealth. They've got stock analyst ratings. They have independent research. I can customize charts and choose what metrics I want to display for all my stocks so I can make the best decisions. I can even dig into financial statements and balance sheets of the companies that I'm curious about. Whether you're a seasoned investor or looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. 
For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Young and profiters, as you may know, I launched my LinkedIn Secrets Masterclass a little bit over a year ago. It was my first course. And so far, I've generated well over $500,000. And the best part is I didn't have to figure out how to set up my mastermind subscriptions, how to do abandoned cart targeting and all of that tech geeky stuff. I just left that all to Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. And if you're in that I need to sell more with less stage, Shopify Magic is your AI superpowered sidekick ready to whip up captivating content that converts. And it doesn't matter if you're selling digital products or vegan cosmetics. Shopify helps you sell anything, anywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Stop those online window shoppers in their tracks and turn them into loyal customers with the internet's best converting checkout. I'm talking 36% better on average compared to the other options out there. It's no wonder Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., including huge global brands like Allbirds and Thrive Cosmetics. It took me a day to set up my Shopify store. I set up chat, took two minutes, and I was done. One month from thinking of the idea to implementation, a year later, I've made half a million dollars on the idea. That's what it takes in 2024, just a good idea and then utilizing a platform like Shopify that can help you make it a reality. There is no excuse these days. If you've got a good business idea and you think you'll be a good entrepreneur, you don't have to wait any longer. You don't have to be super techie and you never have to worry about figuring it out on your own. Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash profiting. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash profiting now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash profiting. So like no matter what energy they are, come positive, come curious. Now, what's the best frame of mind that you want your opponent to be? Like, do you want, if they come in positive, is that always a good thing? Or could that also be something we should be weary of? You're 31% smarter in a positive frame of mind. It helps you that your counterpart is positive also. So many of the negotiation strategies are designed to at least get them out of a negative mindset. Because no one collaborates well in a negative mindset. They just negative mindset's a downward spiral. So yeah, I'm gonna want my I'm gonna want my counterpart to be positive uh, in their interactions with me. It's gonna make them wanna have a long-term prosperous relationship. Um, I, you know, you know, you and I were talking about being on Clubhouse earlier. I interviewed Mark Cuban recently on a similar app, and uh, Cuban is positive. You know, however he's portrayed on Shark Tank, some people think he's a bully, but Cuban's positive and he wants to collaborate. And everything he does is about a great long-term relationship, which is how you make a lot of money. It's how you, how a guy like Mark Cuban who when he started his company, uh, slept on a floor of somebody's apartment. Now he's a billionaire. Positivity is, is a great success move. So yeah, be positive, be curious. I love Chris's philosophy of be positive, be curious. 
Everyone has a lesson to teach you. So if you enter a negotiation or conversation of any kind with that eagerness to learn, you'll not only find yourself advancing, but also elevating the energies of those around you. To wrap up, let's talk about another verbal negotiation strategy, namely lying. You know, people love to correct. So sporadically, you know, we teach people to say stuff wrong on purpose, to get corrected because a correction is, feels so good. It's almost addicting. It's ridiculous how good people feel when they correct. And then a secondary consequence of that, it plays in your benefit also. I think the quote is attributed to Maya Angelou. People don't remember what you said. They remember how you made them feel. Well, if you get really closely guarded information from them, you don't want them to regret telling you. So if they corrected you when they gave you that closely guarded information, they remember how they feel when they said it. They felt great in the moment. And they, they're not going to regret sharing really intimate details with you because it felt so good while they were doing it. Do you have an example of when you got somebody to correct themselves and how it helped you in a negotiation or just any sort of example to really drill this home with everybody tuning in? You know, um, uh, one of the students when we were teaching at Georgetown uh, was in the midst of a real estate deal, and the building was too good to be true. Like a cash cow, historic district, uh, which meant it was, it, was a, it was a cash machine, and it couldn't be knocked down, and a historic district meant competing buildings couldn't be built. So it was a really unique building. And he couldn't understand why the building was up for sale, and he said, seems like the owner just doesn't believe in the fundamental future of the market. And the agent immediately shot back. Now he's underwater on several other buildings. Now that was closely held information that no agent should ever share, but it was a correction. And this guy didn't even know he was saying it wrong on purpose. He was just trying to figure it out. And so what's the possible, why would a guy sell a cash cow? Like, is it, is it haunted? You know, what is going on here? <laughs> and so he just said, it seems like he doesn't believe in the future fundamentals of the market. And the agent shot back immediately information that he should not have shared because it was a correction. It's just, you know, another, another company, there, there are two companies are at impasse, and the one company that uh, we're coaching, they think they have a rough idea who the problem is on the other side of the table, but it's they could only narrow it down to one or two pop possible people. So let's call them Tom and Bob. So at the table, they go, seems like Tom and Bob are against this deal. The counterpart said, no, it isn't Tom, it's Bob. Immediately threw his colleague under the bus. But since it was a correction, he did it without thinking about it and didn't regret sharing the information because he was correcting the other side. And there you have it, Yap fam, some of Chris Voss's best nuggets of wisdom from his time on Young and Profiting Podcast. Learning the ins and outs of human behavior can help you succeed in every area of your life. Like Chris said, you are constantly negotiating and by approaching every negotiation with intentionality, you'll find yourself getting what you want more often. 
By approaching every conversation with positivity and curiosity, you'll be making people feel important because you're enthusiastic and engaged. You can also employ some of the techniques that we learned today, like emotional labeling and mirroring, in order to connect with people on a more personal level. It shows that you care, that you're paying attention to what they're saying and what they're feeling. Overall, Yap fam, you always want to make people feel important when it comes to your negotiations. And don't forget that people also love to correct you when you say something wrong, and they also enjoy feeling like you're taking a genuine interest in them. And when people feel important or understood, they're more likely to disclose the details, that information that's the ammo to help us win our negotiation battles. If you want to take a deep dive into the exciting world of human behavior, I highly encourage you to check out our YouTube and Spotify playlists. We've got tons of human behavior content from people like Katie Milkman, Dr. Jack Schaefer, Mark Bowden, and so many others, Chase Hughes. We've got so much great human behavior content. So again, we've got playlists on Spotify and YouTube. And if you want to check out the full episodes with Chris Voss, I highly encourage you guys to do that. I interviewed him on Clubhouse back when Clubhouse was hot. That episode was called Yap Live, Negotiate Like a Boss with Chris Voss and Alex Carter. We actually won a Webby Award honoree for best live podcast for that episode. So again, that's Yap Live, Negotiate Like a Boss with Chris Voss and Alex Carter. I also interviewed him for episode number 144, The Art of science behind negotiation, as well as number 23, Negotiate Like a Boss with Chris Voss. That was one of our most all-time downloaded episodes ever at Young and Profiting. Thanks so much for listening to this week's Yap Snacks on the best of Chris Voss content. I hope you learned some actionable advice that you're going to put into practice. You're only going to get better if you practice Young and Profiters. And without further ado, this is your host, Halataha, signing off and stay tuned for part two.